we've been doing this series, Faith for the Real World, and really, uh, any time you look at a, a book in the Bible, there is so much that is rich that we can take away in terms of our understanding of who God is, in terms of our how do we do life as the people of God, how do we, um, how do we uh, know God more, there's so much in there, and uh, I think we've done, this will be our sixth message, and we could have just done a whole year uh, on James. So if your favorite verse in James, we didn't go into it that much, I do apologize, but we've just, just sort of hit some of the highlights. And if that's something that you're interested in looking at, like how, what does faith look like uh, in, the, in the real world? What does it look like uh, from sort of Monday through to Saturday and not just on Sunday? Then we've got all of those messages are, are online through our website and encourage you to have a listen to them. It's a um, great opportunity when you're driving to work or just to throw one of those on. So, And this really was the, the heart of James's letter, is he's, is he's wanting to make sure that God's people understand that, that this faith thing, it's not just like pie in the sky, it's not just about when you're together at church, it's about like how do you do this thing of knowing God, following God, living God's ways, day by day in the swirl of what life brings, you know, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your sports teams, in all of those things that are our life. So um, James really wants to know that our faith makes a difference to how we live. So I'd just like to pray, and then we'll get into it. So God, we do welcome your presence here this morning. We we know that you're here. We know that you're, with, you're in us, those that have stepped into life with you. We also know that there's a dynamic that happens when your people gather together. And we just pray for just the, just the fullness of your, of your presence here. You're, you'd release the gifts of revelation to us, God, so that as, as we're here, we'd hear your voice just as we heard you speak to Elsa in a way that just, just brought such a a release of um, confidence and love and, and blessing to her. God, we pray that for each person here, there would be something that you would speak to us, God, that would bring to us what we need, whether it's comfort or encouragement or strengthening or, or something that will help us on in our, in our journey with you. So God, we're grateful that you're here. Amen. All right. So it's interesting that uh, when Rachel got up and, uh, and just welcomed us today, she just said, like, isn't it good that we're a family? And um, it's one of the, the, the metaphors for the church that we see all through the Bible. But James in particular, he sort of hits on this thing of like, you know, we're, we're doing this thing together. We're doing this thing together as a family. And I've got a great graphic for our message this morning. So we are family. It's like... I have to make a confession. I have seen Sister Sledge in concert. So. Okay, should we do it all together? We are uh, You didn't have to do that, but that was kind of nice. So. I thought I'd get you going. So. Um, but we're a family. And, uh, and James tells us a few things about how we should be doing life in our church family. And I have to say that I think that on the whole, that at Coast Vineyard here, we do family pretty well. What do you think? We do family pretty well. Um, we, have, we often hear 
Someone may move into the area here, they're looking for a church, and they do the rounds, which is a good thing to do, see what God's doing in the area. But we'll often hear things like, I think you guys might be the friendliest church on the coast. And it's going, well, that's great. It's great. I mean, and it's, I think it's because welcome is it's a really deep value of ours. It's a deep value of ours, and it reflects God's heart to us. He welcome, it's such a welcome from him to us, and we just want to you know, pass it on. But there's more to doing family well than the welcome. You know, what do we do with people that are different to us? Like, imagine someone came along and were an Australian rugby supporter. <laughs> well, we'd probably just feel compassion. <laughs> but, um, that wasn't in my notes either. Um, <laughs> but, like, what, what do we do when people hurt us, our family? What do we do with, when people are struggling in some area of life? What do we do? And, and James gives us some help and because we need help. Because sometimes our, sometimes our own family um, may not have given us the greatest example of being a good family. Hey, like, there's always something in our, in our family. And every, every family is not perfect. So, hey, could I... Can I ask a favor of someone very kind, like for a glass of water? Would someone be able to do that? Oh, my lovely wife, Jacinda. Thank you so much. If I don't, it's sounding okay now, but in 10 minutes it all sounds, I hardly get any words out, so that'll be great. But um, everyone's family has its stories, doesn't it? Uh, it's not perfect. There's some difficulty and hardship, maybe some some hurt, some dysfunction. And, um and if you're, ever, if you're ever at a, a thing, like a party or where there's people around and you've sort of got past your initial small chat and you think like, oh, I don't really know what to, what to talk about next. If you want a good go deeper questions, the go deeper questions. <laughs> Thank you. A good go deeper question, conversation starter is, tell me something about your family that was hard. And uh, it's just, it just helps us to get to know people. But you hear some stuff. I, I mean, like, just one thing from, from my journey um, is, uh, so I was conceived in the, in the 60s, in the middle of the sexual revolution. Uh, two people weren't even dating. Wild night of passion. And hello. Um, my birth mum uh, was told, encouraged multiple times through my uh, through the pregnancy to abort me, and uh, grateful that that didn't happen, as is my wife and my kids. And <laughs> um, but uh, but I was adopted out. Um, my birth father didn't even know that I existed. Didn't know that. You know that thing he did happened to be uh, to turn out to be this. So yeah, there's more to that story. But that's like ask me sometime when you we're at a boring party. So like tell me more about that story. But like we've all got interesting family things. My grandmother, like whoo, 
Ask me about my grandmother's story sometime. Like, everyone's got some stories in families that are, uh, you kind of think, wow, it's amazing that any of us turned out okay. So, um, but I remember for me with my journey, I remember watching a program when I was about six or seven years old of a, uh, uh, a couple driving up to an orphanage and uh, they're, they're saying, like, hey, we're here, we're going to adopt, we're going to adopt a, a, a child. And, uh, and all of these kids were like there looking at this, this couple with pleading eyes. And this couple there, you could just tell that they just had pity in their, in their approach to these kids. And I'm thinking, if that's how people see adopted kids, I'm not ever going to tell anyone I'm adopted because I don't want to be pitied. And uh, just, just things that are in our families that kind of we, we can bring into thinking like, well, if we've got a... A church family here, we've all got our stories that we bring into it. And that's why I love what, uh, what James is, is doing here. Another thing, just on, we're out with, um, with some friends just on Friday night. And we just made the passing comments. like, hey, you know, what's your plans for, for Christmas? And they go, oh, Christmas. You, oh, just like, and just this unfolding, like, disaster of, like, the, the conversations about the, the where and the when and the who of Christmas and someone tried to help this and it was misinterpreted and then this you know they then these people said something critical to them and then they took offense and they, they rang up and they were yelling and then it's like and I'm just like wow it's uh um I think the uh the matriarch of the family said something like well I guess we'll just take second priority as usual it's like, oh, man. It's like, I can look at it around and you go, okay, yeah, Christmas, not easy. Eh? So, um, but it's just families. You know, families can be challenging. You know, we don't always get it right. And James is telling us that you have a church family. You have a church family. And this is one that's worth committing to, investing in, and one that we're called to play a part in. Loving and being loved, supporting and being supported. So, so you're ready for some wisdom from James? Okay. All right. So the first is like you probably will get more. I'm just going to talk about four things that he talks about. You'll probably get a few more if you read through it. Because he's always, the whole way through, he's always talking about brothers and sisters. He's talking about his brothers and sisters in Christ. So whenever you hear that, brothers and sisters, it's brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the church he's talking about. So James 2 Verses 1 to 13. In this one, he's saying, don't show favoritism. Okay, listen to this. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. We'd probably say, I don't know if you're at the right church, but... Uh, <laughs> but um, but suppose you know, someone comes along, maybe in a suit and driving a Maserati, um, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you just stand there, you just sit at the floor, on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Isn't that good? And isn't that good news? That it doesn't matter who we are 
or how much we have or what clothes we wear. God has chosen each one of us. James is specifically talking about the poor, but it's the poor and the rich. He's chosen everyone to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom that he promised to those who love him. And that's the invitation to us. Don't don't discriminate. Don't discriminate. Not by people's wealth, not by what people look like, not by their accent or the color of their skin, not by their ability. And, you know, we can hear this and we think, no, 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 I don't think I'd do that. I think, um, I think I'd do pretty well with that. Well, here's what will happen, is that eventually someone's going to sit next to you at church on a Sunday or some other thing, and for some reason you'll, you'll prefer that they didn't sit next to you. They might be a little smelly. It might be your spouse that's a little smelly. I don't know. Um, they might be a bit too loud. They might be a bit too loud for you. Or they might be a bit too weepy. Have you ever sat next to someone and they're just a bit weepy and you just feel really awkward? And it's like, oh, oh wish I'd sat next to someone else. They might be a bit too full of themselves. They might be a bit too needy. They might be hard to understand. They, it is, they might be an England supporter. Yeah. Yeah, see, some of you are sitting next to some England supporters. And you're thinking, you know, I can handle one Sunday, but like, then they sit next to you the next week. What do we do? Well, James is saying, it's like, don't show favoritism, love everybody. It doesn't mean that everyone has to become your new best friend, but we need to treat everyone well, and probably especially those that are a little harder to love. Okay? Here's a, here's a challenge for you is that next time in church that you meet someone and you go, I'm not sure if they're my kind of person, why don't you invite them to lunch? Because here's the thing, is that when you step towards loving people, and especially those that aren't easy to love, there's something really good that happens to you. And if you want to become a person that is, a, you know, is full of goodness, reflects the heart of God, then it's those things that help our heart become the heart that become the sort of person that you will like to be. Okay. James, when he finishes this section about favoritism, he, he just he ends up with this. He says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Just as God has been merciful to us, we need to be merciful to others. Okay? James, eh? Giving us the, the first one. All right. Second thing that James says, hey, here's a great way to be family. He says, practically look after each other. James 2 verse 14 says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? 
Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, no, well, you have faith and I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And again, it's not so much as like, hey, church, we need to do this. It's more like, hey, church, let's not forget to keep doing this because we, we do this pretty well at Coast Vineyard. I just love that people are contributing when the compassion basket goes around. They just go like, you know, I want to help. I want to be part of the, the solution of helping people. And, and it's, um, it's surprising in New Zealand, which has such a great social welfare system, such a lot that is in place to look after people, it's surprising how we still bump into people regularly that, that end up at the absolute ends of, uh, at, at the end of, of their resources. And it's so cool to be able to, you know, to help them. Um, but I just know that you guys are so good at this because we've got this thing called the uh, Coast Vineyard Community Facebook page, okay, so it's kind of a, it's, uh, you're welcome to join it, just uh, just go find it and ask to join, but what that is, it's for people in our church, it's kind of like, it's like where we can just fire out information and just go, hey, um, here's, some, here's some things that are happening, or, but what, ha- what happens there is that people uh, are often offering or saying, like, I, I need help, I need help, and I just love it because someone will need help and someone else will be able to help. Um, just in, I just was scrolling through it. Um, that's a thing coming up too that we're going to have, have you helping out with the worship on too. Which is a, that's why we threw that out there. Um, the um, community carols. Uh, but uh, here's some things that I, I saw that were um, that went up there recently. Uh, taking someone to hospital that can't drive. Um, lending someone some football boots. <laughs> um, praying for a mission team. It's just so, so good. Um, my, little, my little thing that, that, uh, that, that I um, love to do, um, although sometimes you kind of wish that I didn't, is that I've got a trailer and I just say, if anyone ever wants to borrow my trailer, you're very welcome. So, um, so people kind of affectionately call it the church trailer, but it's my trailer. Okay. <laughs> But uh, it's a cage trailer, and the cage is sort of breaking in places. And I lent it to a person once to go and pick up some, um, some piglets, and then he, his piglet pen wasn't quite ready, and so he left all the piglets in the trailer with some sawdust on the bottom for about a week. And, uh, and when he when they, <laughs> it had like a galvanized um, tray, and then when they swept it all out at the end, like it, the, it wasn't galvanized anymore. <laughs> um, um, well, it's okay, um, but but lots of lots of you do things like that, and that's just what we do. We 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 help each other out. Like I know that when I was uh, starting off in life, and I was just so grateful for people that had stuff that I said, "Could I borrow that?" And they said, "Yeah, sure." And it was just like, "Oh, yeah, thank you." And so um, it's just a way that we can be family. We can practically look after each other. And if you can't um, if you can't think of the last time that you helped someone out, just beware that your faith might be, might be shrinking. There's this mysterious link between 
faith and action that James talks about here. And action always flows out of faith. And faith is kept alive through action. That's what James talks about here. He doesn't say that if you're not doing uh, things for other people that you have no faith. But he's saying that if you, uh, it, would, it's, it would be odd if you have faith that we wouldn't just see the life, the, you know, the, the helping, the action that comes, that comes from that. So if, you just have to beware that if you live a life where you're not helping people from time to time as you're able, if you don't do that or if you sort of close your heart to that, your faith will, will shrink. Okay, the third thing that James says to us, he says, don't speak against each other. James 4.11, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And we're not going to go into this whole thing of law and, and judging. The punchline with this that I want to focus on is he says, don't speak against one another. Don't speak against one another. It's interesting that this, that that's start of verse 11 there, you know, you look at the different Bible translations. How many people knew that the Bible wasn't originally written in English? Okay. So what? what? Um, but some of the translations will say things, will have interpreted, uh, translated, don't speak evil against one another. Don't criticize one another. Don't slander on another. Don't say cruel things about others. Murmur not against one another. My granddad was a Presbyterian minister, and uh, he was born in 1899, and when I was a kid, I just thought that he was just going to live forever. He was just, uh, loved my granddad. One of the things that, um, it's amazing the things that you think are cool when you're a kid, eh? but like, with his, we're out on the beach with his walking stick, and he used to like draw these pictures of like American Indians with the big feathers and everything in the sand. I'm just like... My granddad is the coolest granddad in the world. And he bought me ice cream, so those two things together were like a guaranteed number one guy. Uh, but uh, here's the thing that everyone who knew him said about him. They said that he never said a word against anyone. Never said a negative word against anyone. Um, I mean, what, what a great thing. Imagine that if someone chose to write something on your gravestone and they said, like, you never said a negative word against anyone, what a, what a tribute, you know, what a eulogy. Um, my mum tells a story of when she was dating my dad and so she'd go to church and, you know, with my dad and they would, uh, and his sister, my auntie, and they would uh, listen to the, the sermon and the church and everything and then because she was dating my dad, they'd go home to my granddad's place for, for lunch. And my mum would tell the story about how my, my dad and my auntie would just like shred my granddad. They'd say, mate, that message was so bad and, and uh, I can't believe you said this. And, like, and they were just so like negative about what's happening in the church and these other people in the church. And, and 
And my mum would just say that, uh, well, she was horrified for a start, <laughs> but um, she'd just say that my granddad just smiled and just thanked them for their input. You know? um, amazing. I would, you know, I'm thinking like, I would have loved to have uh, had a little bit more of my granddad rub off on me. So. Um, You may have, you're very likely have heard this, but uh, let, me, let me read this to you. It'll go up. There's just three things that we should be thinking about as we are looking at talking about someone else. And I'll read it because this is uh, what I've got down here. There are three gates through which we ought to require an evil tale to pass before we pass it on. In the first place, is it true? In the second place, is it necessary? In the third place, is it kind? Pretty simple, eh? But like, you just look at it and you go, yes. Yes, that's the, that's the key to doing this well. Um, my cousin's cousin just um, uh, passed away with cancer just in the last um, uh, couple of weeks. And uh, relatively young. And, um, but... My shared uncle, um, I probably shouldn't have. Oh, I'll probably just. I'll tell the story anyway. Um, I'm sure you won't be listening to the podcast. Um, wrote wrote him a letter as he was dying, and saying like, "This is because you drank you you drank too much in your life. It's because it's because of your drinking." And I'm like, "Is it true?" Probably not. Is it necessary? No. Is it kind? No. You know, how's that helpful? Don't tell anyone that story because um, I wouldn't want that to get back to my family. But, but it's just, and I know for me, like the way I'm wired, I'm always, I'm sort of naturally wired to see ways we that things can be done better. You know, in in life and in so many things, and and sometimes that can spill over to be like, hey. Um, good job doing that thing kind of eight out of ten well, but like, hey, why don't you aim for nine? You know, and that can be quite discouraging for people when they sort of hear that all the time because eight out of ten is pretty good, eh? Imagine if you got eight out of ten in your in your exams, you'd be like, yeah. And sometimes as parents, we've got to be careful that we um, we don't do the same thing with our kids. You know, hey, why don't you get a nine out of ten? There's a great preacher, um, Dr. A.B. Simpson. He's a Canadian preacher and founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, which some of you may have heard of. And he said this, and it was written down, I would rather play with the forked lightning or take in my hands living wires with their fiery currents than speak a reckless word against any servant of Christ or idly repeat the slanderous darts which... Thousands of Christians are hurling on others to the hurt of their own souls and bodies. Imagine if we carried that with us every day. Imagine if we carried that with us. James again says in James 5.9, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. You know, nothing good comes from speaking against another. It's not for them, not for us. And I think, like, again, I'd say like at Coast Vineyard, I think we do pretty well. So more, this is more just encouragement. Let's, let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. 
And, uh, and if, we hear, if we hear negative things about people, wouldn't it be wonderful if we chose to believe the best? If we chose to believe the best and go like, I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure that you've misread the situation. You might have misheard something. Um, maybe, maybe they didn't see me when they took my car park. Maybe they had a, a really bad headache when they seemed a little like impatient, a little grumpy. Um, a, there was a vineyard pastor in the, um, in the States a few years back who had an incredible um, uh, journey and history of incredible ministry. And, you know, good guy, solid guy. And when he was in his sort of late 50s, something just, something happened and he started doing like really um, uncool things. And... And everyone was just straight into like just slamming this guy. And the guy that we worked for when we were at Anaheim Vineyard in California, we worked with him for two years. He was leading the, the Anaheim Vineyard Church when we were there. Um, you know, I remember him saying this. He's saying like, why do you jump? Why does everyone jump to believe the worst about this guy? Why can't we believe you know, the best? Like, like is, this, is this completely out of character for this person? Yes. Then something's happened. Something has happened to him. Maybe it's a trauma or a mental illness or something has kicked in that has, has caused this. And let's, like, let's, let's be looking at this guy with love and thinking, like, there's something wrong here. How can we help instead of just straight away just jumping into the, the slamming bandwagon? So, um, you know, a great thing to say if you ever hear anything negative about a person is so... Okay, so tell me also, what are, the, what are the good things about that person that you know about them? Imagine if we did that. If you heard something negative, say, oh, yeah, but tell me, like, tell me some of the good things about that person. Sounds like just the good things to do, eh? James is, James is a smart guy. Last thing that um, we just want to talk about from James here this morning is, is he says, as being part of a good family, he says, help each other stay in our faith. Help each other stay in our faith. 519, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. The Message Bible, uh, which is you know, more of a, um, uh, it's not, not as much of a literal translation, it translates that Scripture is this. My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back, and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. You know, I've done a lot of reading about uh, the, the stages of faith, the, the growing and maturing of, of faith. And almost everyone that has done research and thinking and, uh, about this uh, says that there is always seasons of, of doubt in a person's journey of faith. And, and I'll also say that those are challenging seasons, but working through those seasons and coming out the other side, there is a strengthening of faith, a maturing of faith, a more healthy faith. And... Uh, and it's important for us to like stay, stay with people when they're in seasons of doubt and not just, not just write them off. 
when people sort of wander off, it's usually, you know, for all sorts of reasons. But, but this whole thing of faith and doubt is, is often a big part of it. So let's not, let's not criticize them. Let's, let's go after them. Say, hey, do you want to get together for a coffee or a beer or, or lunch? And tell me what you're thinking. Just, just hang in there with them and, and invite them back. One of my closest friends uh, um, had quite a traumatic thing uh, happen to them uh, in life, and uh, and it threw them threw them for a for a six really, uh, and uh, they went from you know having faith to just going like, if that happens, I'm just throwing everything away, and. Uh, and another friend that I, I know um, pursued them with love, persistently pursued them with love. At one point, bought them a very large Bible, which I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not, but he you know, reflected the heart and you know, invited them to these different things and different events and, and, um, and just kept doing that until eventually God wooed that person back. And... Um, and because that friend is, you know, is very close to me, um, today I'm very grateful for my other friend that rescued them and, uh, and grateful that they are Christian today because of that person's persistence in loving them back to God. So that's James's encouragement to us, those, those four things. Let me, let me finish with this. You can just see this thread through James, but it's through the whole of our, our scriptures about how important your church family is, how important it is, and that how important that um, by being a part of a family that we get the benefits of that, uh, and we also need to play our part. That's what, uh, and that's what James is saying here. Hey, here's some things you need to do to make church family go well. And there's just a couple of things I just wanted to, to lob out there, and I hope that you grab a hold of these things. When it comes to this whole thing of being a part of a family that, that does well, and the first thing is that we need the right attitude. And this is what Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in, in Ephesus, and he says that here's the right attitude, Ephesians 4.2. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I mean, this is one of, those, one of those verses that you sometimes wish like, was in bigger font, underlined, highlighted you know, in your Bible, because this is a biggie. This is the sort of thing that it's worth writing down and sticking on your shaving mirror or um, your dashboard or your, you know, your computer monitor and just having that there and just saying, like, you know, be... Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So good families have people with good attitudes, and good families have people with the right commitment. Rich Nathan is a pastor in the States that some of you have met, and, um, and he says this, give yourself entirely to building the local church. Without a deep commitment to a local church, putting your roots down somewhere and working out your relationships, even when you are uncomfortable or disagree or somebody hurts you, 
without committing to a local church, your spirituality, whatever you say it is, will remain really shallow. You will never achieve God's purposes for your life unless you are deeply engaged with, intertwined with, anchored in, and rooted in a local church. So if you aren't committed to a church, this church or any church, my encouragement is like, get committed. Get committed. Say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. Find a... And you know, find, find some people within that church that you can do some life with. They may not all be people that you are your kind of people. You want some of them that are. Um, but, uh, but where you can, you can welcome people who aren't like you. You can help people out in their time of need, as they can do to you. You can speak well of each other, and you can keep them on the track of staying in that place of uh, having a vibrant faith in God. And that would be my encouragement uh, to you. And I promise you, if you do that, you will, you will find life richer and richer and richer and richer for doing it. And you can, you can go like, well, maybe or maybe not. The only way you're going to know is to jump in and give it a crack. And that would be my encouragement to you.